So we were at a farm, me, my three kids at the time, and there were two lovely looking mums with their little kids playing nearby. I noticed them noticing me and wondering if we had met before. And at some point, one said, you're the parenting junkie. (laughs) It was such a surreal moment being recognized as though I was famous. It was just very strange, but we got talking. And the cool thing about being the parenting junkie is that it means that we get to skip the small talk, which is a pet peeve of mine, and get right to the juicy heart stuff. Their kids were hungry. We had a whole bag of mini bagels to share. It was hot. We perched on a bench as the kids poured sand out of funnels and into fire trucks. And as she tussled her daughter's hair, shaking the sand out, one of the mothers confided in me. She said, I really need a break. I would love to get away for the night. I feel totally burnt out, but I can't trust anyone with my kids. Why? I asked. I just can't, she said. I'm too anxious to leave them with anyone, even a babysitter, even for a few hours. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, I'm Avital, welcome. My work focuses on empowering parents with actionable and inspirational and often alternative ideas to try on for size on your parenting journey. So my goal is to help you, my fellow imperfect, intentional parents, say goodbye to clutter, chaos and conflict and reclaim peace, presence and play for your family. My goal is always to provide you with a judgment-free, guilt-free environment with ideas and open conversation without any shame, blame, or guilt. So if I've missed that mark and used the wrong terminology or brought the wrong idea or said something that can't ever apply to you and your family, or it seems insensitive in any way, then I apologize. And I recommend that you switch me off and go listen to something else. Last week, we talked all about burnout, and I shared that one of the most important ways to ward off burnout is to get more help. And I know a slew of objections and resistance rises up whenever I make this suggestion. So I'm going to do my best in the coming episodes to tackle them all. And I want to shout out to my present players who are embarking on a journey of becoming village rock stars this month with me, building a sustainable, loving, and warm village around them because this is what I think really allows us to go from surviving to thriving. And today I'm going to focus on how and why you can and should trust others with your children. So if you've ever struggled with this, today's episode is for you. I want to shout out Rebecca, who left this wonderful um, review on iTunes. And I know it's kind of weird to sing my own praises on my podcast. I just have to shout these out because I appreciate them so much. They make such a difference in moving the needle. This podcast has been featured in the top 10 uh, kid and family podcasts for consecutive weeks on iTunes. I'm not sure how many, but repeatedly it features in the top 10 and it's all thanks to your reviews. That's what makes all the difference. So thank you. Plus it just fuels my work. So it keeps my motivation to keep going. So thank you for taking the moment, Rebecca, who wrote, 
I absolutely love this podcast. For anyone who either has children or is considering having children in the future, this podcast is a must listen. There's simply nothing like it in the podcast universe. It's short, simple, and has actionable tips that can literally change your parenting life. I'm subscribed to multiple podcasts, but this is the one I'm most excited to listen to every week. Um, And she goes on and says, even my husband loves this podcast and he and I use some of her advice to work together and become better parents and a better couple. I'm so happy she has taken time out of her busy life to provide such wonderful content for free to, in her words, her fellow imperfect but conscious parents. Thank you, Avital. Thank you, Rebecca. So the show notes to this episode can be found over at the Parenting Junkie forward slash 23. And I would absolutely love if you share this out on Instagram. Just take a screenshot or um, a selfie or whatever. Tag me at Parenting Junkie and tag any friends who you think might enjoy the show. They won't know if you don't tell them about it. And if you do, I will send you unicorns forever. So thank you. All right, let's get to it. Have you ever felt like you can't trust anyone with your kids? Do you ever fear what might happen to them? Fear some disaster or catastrophe? Do you ever fear what might be said to them if you're not there? What might be taught to them? What they might be exposed to? I can't count how many parents write to me how afraid they are of a grandparent's influence, an aunt and uncle, a teacher, a babysitter. Fear of what your children might eat, how much or how little they might sleep what they might do with their time. Fear that they'll be stuck in front of a TV screen or in front of an iPad for hours on end. Fear that they'll be eating junk food. Fear that they'll be bribed or coerced into giving physical affection. Fear that they'll be tickled. Fear of emotional turmoil. Do you have fear of your own indebtedness to that caregiver? If grandma or a neighbor watches your kid for a while, are you worried about what that means about your relationship and now you'll have to reciprocate somehow or you'll forever be indebted? Do you have fear about leaving your children with someone else in terms of what it might mean about your own relationship? That it means that you're somehow replaceable, that you might have to share your love for them or that they might have to share their love for you now with someone else, that they might even enjoy their time with someone else more than you. Or do you have fear of that guilt of not being there for them yourself? Somehow, if you leave them with someone else, you're abandoning them right? You're neglecting them. Or some other fear. What fear comes up for you? I'd love to hear. Why does it feel so difficult to trust someone else to look after your children? Do you have fear that some deep, dark thing might happen if you turn away and go get your nails done or go buy food or go for a walk while your kids are watched by someone else? Maybe you don't have fear about an hour or two of babysitting with grandma, but you do about paid babysitting or you do about daycare or other childcare options. Maybe you have fear about going away for the night or for a few nights or for a few weeks. Maybe you have all these different ideas about what limitations, what number is okay, how long you can leave them for, where and with who, but they're feeling a little stifling and a little difficult. The trouble with all these fears is, of course, obvious. Number one, they're based in fear, right? Anything that comes from fear, that is rooted in fear, is going to be something that 
typically doesn't lead us down the path of joy, typically doesn't let us feel liberated and powerful and strong. It keeps us small. It keeps us timid. When things are based in fear, a lot of people say that that is the vibrational opposite of love. It's not loving to not leave our kids with a babysitter because we're afraid what the babysitter might do. It's not from a place of love. We're not motivated by joy and love and what is best for our entire family. Holistically, we're motivated just by fear of the terrible things that might happen. The second issue with never trusting others with our children is that it is one of those things that leads directly to burnout. People aren't designed to care for children 24-7 alone. We're designed to do it in a clan, in a village, in a group, in a tribe. We can't do it by ourselves. And so if we try to and attempt to, then we burn out. And that leads to resentment. That leads to many other things that we then inflict on our children and on ourselves Um as a direct result, as a consequence, as a cause and effect reaction to the fact that we didn't share what was meant to be shared. Now, for today, and I will address this, but for today, I'm not talking about whether or not you can afford the help. Okay, so for our purposes and for our conversation today, let's just imagine we're talking about free help. Let's imagine you have help from grandma or help from a neighbor that's free, and we'll address the question of I can't afford it uh, next. And I'm also not suggesting that there aren't real risks involved. There are. The thing is that there are risks to not getting help too. There are risks when you don't get help, right? What I just spoke about burnout is one huge risk. There are other risks too, like teaching our children that they can't be with other people. They can't manage other relationships, right? When we don't trust other people, with our children, it can also look a lot like and sound a lot like we don't trust our children with other people. There are risks to not allowing kids to be with others. And sometimes I feel that those risks are much higher. So if you're saying to yourself, I'm the only one who can care for my children, listen up. Here's a quote from Lenore Skenazi author of Free Range Kids. Who is crazy? People who trust other people or people who don't. Some mothers don't share the labor of running a home and caring for their children because they feel that they alone can care for their children well. Many of my clients have told me that they can't trust anyone with their kids. Why? This anxious way of moving through the world, assuming the worst might happen if I relinquish some of my perceived control, is a painful way to live. Over the past few decades, there has been an increasing fear around stranger danger, molesters and kidnapping. This is despite the fact that now is probably one of the safest times of history to live in and to raise children in, and that the truest dangers your children face are probably in your pantry. And no, that is not an invitation to obsess about health and weight. But yes, obesity, for example, is one of the number one risks that children in America face from a health perspective. And the truth is that it's hubris and narrow-minded to think that only one person could take care of our children well, even if that one person is me. 
I want to share some research done by Carolee House at the University of California, Los Angeles, which has in fact shown that children's interactions with loving people who are not their mothers, other loving people, such as their fathers, their siblings, their extended families, their paid caregivers, their teachers, and other close adults are big contributors to a child's sense of secure attachment. I've read in multiple places of the fact that children having secure attachments with more than one adult actually benefits them. And again, this isn't an invitation for you to feel like, oh no, I've done a disservice to my child. And again, beat yourself up and feel guilty and get rooted in fear that your child doesn't have more secure attachments. The point is just for us to open our minds to the idea of trusting others, to inviting them in. So do you ever have this thought that you and only you are the best for your child? I have. And if so, uh, cozy up to me, grab a chair, sit by me at the table, and let's have a slice of humble pie together. Whenever I've had this thought in the past that others will screw up and I alone am the perfect caregiver for my kids, I've been faced with some tough, self-reflective questions. Don't I ever screw up too? Yes, I do. Big time. Don't I ever yell, shame, punish, bribe, or lose my marbles in a myriad other ways? Yes, I do. And do I know it all? Am I as experienced, wise, playful, creative, honest, caring, patient as many of the other people who could be caring for my children? No, no, I am not. I have a lot to learn from every single human I meet. In fact, I know that my kids are sometimes far better off with anyone but me. Sometimes I'm not fit to parent because I'm distracted, I'm burnt out or tired and I literally don't want to be around them. And that's okay. It's allowed. Consider that any other job, project or relationship has time off. You don't expect anyone to do anything else 24-7 alone. And yet I hear countless times from new and seasoned moms that they can't let anyone help them with their kids. These mothers, and this might be you too, are letting their anxiety get the better of them. And rather than addressing their mindset and resolving the root issue, their trust and sense of safety with others, that's the root issue, they are opting to adapt their behaviors in an unhealthy way to avoid that sense of anxiety that bubbles up at the thought of hiring help or receiving free help. See, when you find yourself contorting your life into uncomfortable situations like being the be-all and end-all caregiver, housekeeper, and chef extreme, you know it's a mindset issue at hand, not a real limitation, but rather a limiting belief. The time has come, I believe, to address our fear of stranger dangers, our suspicion of helping hands, and to lay down our supermama capes. I'm not suggesting that you pull in the next guy who jogs by in a mankini to raise your kids while you perfect your tan, okay? You can get recommendations and do all the background checks you like, but both your children and you might benefit 
probably will benefit, I venture to guess, from sharing them and allowing them to develop relationships with other adults too, imperfect as those adults might be. Remember, you're not so perfect yourself. I'm not so perfect myself. It's a wonder that we have such exacting standards to measure our babysitters, our grandparents, our neighbors, our teachers against, when we know that we ourselves can't live up to those standards either. We would shudder and fire a babysitter who would, you know, do something a little bit imperfect when, in fact, we're imperfect all the time. Other people, be them grandparents, friendly neighbors, mothers, helpers, babysitters, tutors, housekeepers, or the teenagers down the block, can bring skills, personality traits, and wisdom that you might not have. They'll expose your children to new and unfamiliar ways of communicating and thereby expand your children's capacity for relationship. They'll say and do things your children aren't used to. And even though it might make you squirm, overall, that can often be a good thing. We don't want to raise children in a sterile, homogeneous society. My guess is that you hope for your children to grow up to be tolerant of different religions, skin colors, ethnicities, ages, genders, etc. And yet, are you being tolerant of even the slightest deviation in relationship style? Are you nixing babysitters, shutting out grandparents, or even not considering mother's helpers for fear of the influence on your children? If your family are basically loving, decent people who have different ways in the world, even if those ways make you scrunch your nose in distaste, it may well be worth the work it takes to make the relationship work. Not only will you be modeling how to work through our differences with the people we care about, but you'll also be giving your children the benefit of seeing true diversity and tolerance at play. Making relationships with other loving adults work benefits our children, but it does take effort and investment. We need to be willing to have open, respectful conversations and communicate our requests and preferences in non-threatening ways. And then there are those relatives who don't bestow ease, right? There are the ones that set you on edge. And sometimes they're the very same people that are decent and loving, but just at different times or different moods. The family members who we feel threaten our path to peaceful, mindful parenting. The ones who spoil, ruin, undermine. Here are some quotes from some clients of mine who had complaints about their family, such as, my mother is always bribing my kids with candy to get hugs. My sister-in-law's kids are always up till 10 p.m. She gets so judgy when we need to leave early for bedtime. Or my father-in-law doesn't ever really actually play or connect with the kids. All he does is buy more and more gifts. These are just a few of the complaints I hear from my clients. So if you feel like you have family that's not easy to manage and you'd like them to be part of your children's lives and you'd like to trust them with your kids, but you can't, here are some thoughts along that. One is to practice an attitude of gratitude. Remember that it's a blessing that your children have anyone in their lives that are interested in a relationship with them at all. And remember that multiple secure attachment figures are a big asset to a child. So do your best to connect to a sense of appreciation that these people even exist, however irritating you might find them. 
Gratitude will help you highlight those aspects of the people that are actually pretty great and minimize the things that are an annoyance or just out of your comfort zone. My next thought is practice compassion and mindfulness. Those qualities that you want to develop in your relationship with your child or in the relationship between your children, like patience and respect, they can't exist in a vacuum. The same understanding that we want to favor our four-year-old with can be extended to our 64-year-old dad. He's got his inner child too, and it's likely just as needy and immature as our kids sometimes, strange as that might be. Have faith in your child's competency. Your child is stronger, more autonomous, and can take more ownership over their relationships than you might imagine. Allow them their independence in forging relationships. It can sometimes be surprising how they are able to set limits or communicate needs that you might have struggled with. Model politeness and affection without forcing it. I don't believe it's either effective or respectful to force a kid to hug or greet someone, but modeling the type of behavior that you'd like to see in your child and in your adult family member is always a good idea. Set firm, empathic limits when boundaries are crossed. At the end of the day, you are the parent, capital T, capital P. You get to decide when enough is enough and when there's something you won't stand for. I remember clearly that I once barked at a relative of ours who had grabbed my two-year-old son's arms and yanked him onto his lap when my son tried to wriggle away. Let him go, I roared. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Ultimately, if you mess with my kids, mama bear might come out. Am I right? Was it awkward after that? You betcha, but that's okay. I'm willing to endure a little awkwardness if I feel my boundaries, my children's boundaries, are at risk. But get professional help with toxicity. Don't get me wrong. If there are clinical conditions such as mental illness, verbal or physical abuse, personality disorders, manipulative behaviors, or addiction of any kind, you will probably need professional therapist to help you set healthy boundaries and decipher whether or not and how you can maintain a relationship with those individuals. Seeking help from a professional in this way is not a weakness. It's absolutely the wisest choice you can make, given that you may be too into intertwined and close to the situation. Sometimes, as painful as it might be, severing ties is the only way to protect your children and your family's energy. Getting professional help will give you the third-party, unbiased wisdom necessary to make such choices. So that was all about family, but what about professional support? Hiring mothers, helpers, babysitters or nannies? Don't let your fear that they won't do it like you interfere with a wonderful intention to get some help. You get to decide what type of help you need. Maybe it's with the housework or the cooking. Maybe it's with taking the kids to the library, with the carpool or with the errands. Whatever type of help you need or want, it's okay. It's more than okay. It's strong to ask for help and it's powerful to find ways of getting it. I invite you to develop a sense of trust in people and to adopt the mindset that you'll find the right people to support you in the right way. 
Of course, there are bad apples out there, but most people are trustworthy and friendly and you will do your background checks. Living with a belief that you should do it alone or that no one can help you is a surefire way to burn out fast. See our previous episode for more on that. And it's a narrow-minded view of humanity. With over 7 billion people in the world, I know there are a few who would be the right match for your needs, and the good news is they probably live right nearby. There are people who want to help you, who are open to doing things the way you want them done, who even love the type of work you have for them even if it's the type of work that you hate, and who are excited to learn what you teach them about how to care for your home or your kids. Or heck, your inbox, your laundry, or whatever you need. There are task rabbits for every task, from picking up your dry cleaning to feeding your baby a bottle in the middle of the night. And there are people willing, no, happy, to do it on your budget and terms. There is free help out there. There is paid help out there. There is community help out there. There is every kind of help out there ready for the taking. But you must first change your mindset to not only accept the help, but to welcome it and trust it. When you do that, you are going to be able to feel a sense of interconnectedness with others and relieve the burden on you and your children's shoulders. No child wants to grow up with a burdened parent who feels like they can't trust anyone else. And we want our children also to grow up with a sense of trust in the universe and trust in themselves and their capabilities to handle diverse circumstances and relationships. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you put them in a position with people who really mistreat them or don't treat them very, very well. I think there are lots of ways to treat children very well. And don't let all of your endeavors into peaceful parenting undermine your sense of trust because other people won't do it exactly right. At the end of the day, you're your biggest, your children's biggest influence The way that you treat them is the biggest influence in their lives and they can handle a little bit of difference in the style of care for them, if that's what it takes. Now, in this week's YouTube video, I'm sharing a new role play series with Dr. Laura Markham, the one and only from AHA Parenting. In it, we'll discuss how we can feel alienated from other parents in the park, for example, when our kids aren't behaving nicely. Have you ever been in the park and had your child hit by another child? Or has your child hit someone else or thrown sand in their eyes or refused to share a toy? If so, we are discussing that in this week's YouTube video and we'll share what to do about it. I would love for you to head on over there. Just go to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash blog and you'll see all about it. I can't wait to catch you in the next episode. Same time, same place next week. Meanwhile, let's catch up over on Instagram. Just go to at Parenting Junkie. So to my lovely friends who I met that day at the park and who sweetly recognized me as the Parenting Junkie, thank you and shout out to you. And I hope that this has been a persuading conversation to open your eyes to the possibility of 
trusting others with your children, of the benefits that that might hold both for you and for them, and of some of the ways we might negotiate that space, as challenging as it might be. Thanks for listening to the Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste. Namaste.